Give me that plenty of that guitar. Welcome back. This is the second episode in a row I'm doing. I'm here at Red Antler with Jonathan Carrera, who is the A design director here at uh, Red Antler. Thank you so much for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be finally talking. I know. This has been a a year in the making, and I was a huge fan. Uh, We talked about it uh, before the podcast, but when I was at school, um, I was looking to become inspired and to... Um, kind of get a sense for what I was getting into and uh, I remember distinctly finding the work of Pentagram and as I mentioned just before um, you know going through Pentagram I always kind of would look to see what team worked on what and time and time again it was the work of uh, Emily Oberman and you were, uh, were on that team as well and uh, it really kind of changed the way that I thought about design. So tell me about your journey uh, obviously, like you worked the Pentagram, but before that, when you were in school, leading up through that, uh, what was your journey like, and how did you know you wanted to be a designer and all that? Well, I'll try and keep it quick. Um, there's a little bit of backstory in terms of pretty much deciding to go into graphic design in high school. Um, I always dabbled with going back and forth between a few different um, career options, always in the arts. Um, always, it was always something that I gravitated toward. Um, so, with my practical thinking parents, they wanted me to test the waters, and I'd always been doing different types of classes. I actually went to a pre-college program at Pratt uh, and majored in uh, graphic design, which really just meant that one elective uh, during the, the summer um, time period, which was about a month, was focusing in graphic design. Um, and then ultimately, I really just decided I want to be in New York. That's where that's where things are. That's where the industry is. Very again, very practical. Go where the jobs are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that ultimately led me to Parsons. And I was fortunate to meet a few instructors that helped me out throughout my journey. Uh, one of which is um, Paul Carlos, who's at Pure and Applied, which was my first freelance position after school. So. Uh, working with teachers uh, happened a few times uh, and then my other uh, mentor was William Morrissey and he's actually who connected me he got me a few jobs out of school <laughs> but he ultimately connected me with um, Emily at number 17 um, uh, but prior to that I you know I jumped around between small studios freelance gigs um, all kinds of different things um, we were talking about this earlier, but it was 2008, so I think I was just interviewing a lot, yeah. and nothing was really happening. Um, no one really wanted to hire anyone, so just constant emailing, constant interviewing, and you know it kind of takes a toll. Uh, and I probably Very bad time for design. and even if it wasn't a bad time for design, that's just the reality of finding a job you love. So I was jumping around a lot and I always, um, you know, I always had a big interest in smaller studios. Uh, In college, I thought that's where the best work was coming from. You always knew the designer's voice. Um, It felt more personal, which even though, even though we're not making expressive work all the time, there's certainly designer personality in the work we do. Uh, So always kind of trying to get one of those jobs. 
And ultimately, I had this decision to make, um, I think, three years out of school where I was possibly going to go full-time at one uh, company, uh, but it was a little corporate. I, it didn't really align with what I wanted to be doing and turned down the money, went back to freelancing again, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get connected by William uh, to Number 17, which had been a studio I had emailed before, definitely applied to, but the personal connection really made the job land, I'm sure. Uh, and then after working there a few months, I was one of two designers that moved over to Pentagram. Uh, and then I ended up being there for over four years and five with Emily. Uh, and now I'm here at Red Antler That's as amazing. a design director. You know, working at number 17 with, with Bonnie and Emily and then going to Pentagram, um, as I mentioned on Instagram, uh, and I've told you this too, um, when I was at school, I, you know, I would, I found Pentagram and I found that work to be so inspiring. And it was like, you know, that was like my, my North star was, was Pentagram. I would always be like, you know, what team is this? And it was always, you know, Emily Oberman and obviously you and, and the team working there. Um, what I loved about it is that it was so fun. It was so expressive. Um, and it definitely felt like, you know, we mentioned this before, uh, it kind of feels a little bit like rock center, like show business, the opposite of corporate. I think it would be kind of an in interesting exploration to kind of talk about some of the case studies. There was obviously uh, Jimmy Fallon, as we've talked about. Let's kind of dive into that. So with a lot of the entertainment work, uh, there's quite a bit of research that we do, like any design project. So, I mean, taking Jimmy, for example, uh, everyone was looking at all of the typography that's around Rock Center and we were going up and taking pictures and collecting images online and then actually that was how we started um, the presentation. Uh, we, we were looking at all of these different references, references from history. Um, the, the, big, the big moment that was occurring was The Tonight Show was coming back to New York and it was going to be at Rockefeller Center so we wanted that to be part of the personality. So that certainly came through, and I'm glad that it's uh, resonating with the with designers. They're catching on to the to the thinking behind it. Well, the process was mainly led by the team at the Tonight Show and and Jimmy and um, all of his senior. Oh, yeah, every presentation was with him. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was fortunate. I was. I I will say that project took. Um, I think we had grown to maybe around six designers at the time, maybe eight, mm -hmm. and basically everyone was working on it. Yeah. So we were presenting, we did three rounds of logos um, and lots and lots of work that went into that. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing about the logo he went with was it was the first logo and the first presentation, but then we had two other presentations with new ideas. Wow. And, it was the, and it was basically the only one we kept evolving. Mm -hmm. and, I, and we just wanted to make, you know, we didn't necessarily have pressure about um, late night in general. I think the pressure was just the fact that one, it was Jimmy, and two, it was The Tonight Show. So let's talk about the film Independent. Um, I know that uh, the, that campaign was really well received amongst the design community. Um, and I think it's a great case study for young designers looking to see how um, a system can be extended. I thought that system did that really well. 
So what was that like? And uh, yeah. Uh, we started with strategy. So we did a lot of stakeholder interviews. It was probably one of the first and larger uh, strategic positioning projects that I had done with Emily. And uh, we had done some smaller ones. And there may have been one before this one that I wasn't a part of. But it was the first one where I was in doing some of the interviews. Uh, we were splitting them up, collecting information. Uh, that took a couple months, I'd say. Wow. So all the while, everyone was already sketching ideas for what we should be doing. There was also debate of if they should change their name. Um, yeah, and in terms of the the name, I think we had a lot of internal debate and the client was certainly a part of that. And ultimately, part of what went into the final decision was actually doing a little bit of a, a sprint to showing them how we could make the current name work. Right. So we actually presented one one logo, one system. Wow. The system was presented right away. You know, and it's it's typographic. You can easily build on new programs, new events. The lowercase i, I love that. The lowercase i was, uh, you know, what the, the thing we say about it is it puts a little bit of independence into everything they say. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> and, you know... I'd buy it. If I were the client, I'd buy it. That's pretty good. Individuality... Right. Um, you know, it it really represents all of the all of the people and the pride that goes into the organization. And I mean, outside of that little eye, it's very much a pure functioning typographic system, so that they can easily make new programs. And you were touching on this, the, the Spirit Awards, um, certainly making sure that Film Independent was recognized and associated with with the Spirit Awards, so uh, changing it, changing the lockup from produced by Film Independent to embedding it into the name, making sure Film Independent was a part of most of the programs. Uh, there's only, I think, one that isn't. And being able to flex, so whatever is being presented, there's color coding, mm -hmm. um, you know, different classes are green and there's a series at LACMA that's purple. Uh, the Spirit Awards is blue and the whole organization is red. And that's clear when you go on the website. It's clear when you're going to events. You know the type of event you're going to. To the system's credit, they made a New York lecture series uh, right away. And, you know, we made the custom typeface. So all they really, really needed to do was take the base logo. And we gave them templates for this as well. Mm -hmm. So they were able to basically just type it in, type in the new program, and they had a new event logo. All right, so uh, we are here in Brooklyn, obviously, uh, and I, th this is technically Dumbo, right? Yeah, yeah. Dumbo. I love it here, man. I, I, when I first like was out of school, I didn't like, I didn't totally under get it. I was like, what's all the hype about? And then today, <laughs> I was out in the lawn, uh, looking at the beautiful skyline here. It's an amazing place. It's an amazing office. Um, and we're here at Red Antler, so um, there's, I can't talk about what's on the boards, but there's boards everywhere with a whole bunch of new projects, and you mentioned that you work with startups, um, and you're doing some new and exciting work. What does your average day look like for you here as a design director, and uh, what's you know, the most rewarding part about this job? 
Um, yeah, typical day uh, is usually reviewing work. Uh, design directors kind of balance between uh, definitely full-time leaders uh, and depending on the day, part-time makers. Uh, design directors lead um, the designers and then follow the brand into all of the different disciplines. So um, once we've created a brand, we're working with web designers to make sure that the brand expression is uh, consistent and makes sense. Um, and then hopefully following it down, down to all the different elements, either producing photo shoots and making the packaging. And so that, that becomes a bit more oversight on the design director's side. But when it really comes to the nuts and bolts of day-to-day, -day, it's building brands with the team of designers um, and building off of, uh, we start every project with strategic positioning. So we're always going to make sure that what we're creating is connecting with that. Uh, you guys a fantastic strategy. That's one thing I get from looking at the website. It's like, there's just rock solid ideas on every project. Yeah, th I'm, and every, you know, everything. Almost more than any other agency that I've seen. Like, you guys are like, really, oh, it's great. very smart, strategic, well-executed work. There's not a project that's like, meh. They're all, in their own way, very different and very smart. So, yeah, yeah. The, I think the big thing, and at least it sounds like some of it's coming across from the site, is that we try to communicate that we're, we're not just making logos. Right. We're, we're building brands and evolving brands, and that starts with strategy, it includes the visuals, and then it includes executing. Mm -hmm. And you know we, we can do all of that uh, in-house, and I think a lot of designers that work on brands uh, understand what happens when you wrap a bow on your guidelines and send them out into the world. Mm -hmm. They're not always used correctly. Yeah, it, definitely not. And it, it really takes dedication from whoever's creating those elements to know how to implement them. But as always, the more that, the more that you can touch yourself uh, and really get into the weeds with the, the better the whole experience is going to be. Uh, and usually that's, that's our goal with projects, is to really try and uh, be a part of all of the different touch points. Yeah. To succeed as a startup is really difficult, but at an agency like Red Antler, you guys can really help them to you know, visually represent themselves and, and to have a competitive edge. What are some of the ways that you can kind of give them assets and help them along? And what is it like working with startups and working within this culture? Setting up a brand for success, I think that's probably the best way to describe it, is there's a tone of voice you need to define both with language and visuals. Um, you need to, you might be making a professional product, but you might not know how to how to talk to customers yet. And I think that's, a, that's the biggest part of working with um, new businesses in my mind is they haven't gone through the rhythm of marketing campaigns. They haven't- Finding their voice. They maybe haven't even had a, they've had personal Facebook pages, but they haven't had, uh, they haven't had company Facebook pages. Um, you know, in a lot of our presentations, we 
start thinking about what some simple um, Instagram ads might look like. And so we think very practically about what those client needs might be so that we're not just making uh, a system in a vacuum, but we're trying to figure out what they need um, for day one. Um, and often they don't know, so we do a little guesswork and try to prepare them for some of the challenges that will come their way. Yeah. Both, both in terms of making sure the branding makes sense for who they are and it mm -hmm. represents them, um, as well as showing them practical examples of how they can implement. Is there a case study that comes to mind that can kind of show that? Something that you've done here at Red Antler that was kind of like a, a startup and then you were able to kind of bring that to fruition? Yeah, the three brands that are um, public facing that I worked on here were uh, Cabin, which is on our site, uh, Smilo, and Revere. Um, one of the fun things, I think, one about graphic design in general is one of those, is, and I'll talk about this one because it's the one that's kind of has a case study. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll link it all up, by the way. It's, uh, it's in, in the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> it's an overnight bus that goes between LA and San Francisco, so it's a transportation alternative. Uh, the other is Smilo, which they pri their primary products are baby bottles and pacifiers uh, and a few other childcare products. And the other is Revere, uh, which is uh, sports supplements that are tailored just for you, and they give you a certain dose depending on your workout treatment, uh, your work, depending on your workout, how frequently you go, you know, all of the different matri matrixes that go into your your routine, and then they give you a tailored solution. So childcare, working out, and sleeping on a bus. Yeah. And you have to be flexible, and they're all branding projects, but they're, you know, two had packaging, all had websites, and one had bus design, which I can talk about a little, highlight a little more. Sure. Um, so Cabin is trying to just give a different alternative to taking a red eye um, or driving between LA and San Francisco. The whole idea is to just get your time back you, you're if you're gonna be sleeping why not sleep while you travel to your destination great. Yeah. and um, all of our thinking around the visuals uh, landed on this idea of movement uh, we wanted there to be an undertone of a dreamlike state where you're being kind of taken and carried from one destination to another That's uh, and the fact that it's in LA and San Francisco went into the theme as well there's certainly a LA vibe to it all right. um, and you know driving down the coast um, went into it from a tonality standpoint but then we wanted to take that idea of the journey and being carried to your destination and build it into all of the different visuals. So we have this theme of a wavy line that comes from the logo that really tries to emphasize all of those um, elements and uh, create transition. I think one of the nicest elements is the way we took that idea and extended it into both some iconography for uh, different graphics, which is on the side of the bus, and then also the cabin numbers. So there's this nice through line that goes from the logo and then starts to connect all of the different elements. Right. All right, so um, 
I need to figure out a way to, to reword this because I always say it the same way. But the purpose of this podcast is to bridge the gap between entry-level designers and the industry's best people that have worked on you know, huge campaigns and had a lot of success. Um, and you know, people that are practitioners, operators, and really know what they're doing. And I firmly believe that you're one of those people. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not an imposter. For entry-level designers and people that are venturing out into the world of design, when you're reviewing portfolios, what are you looking for? What do you love? And what are some of the things that seem kind of cliche or common pitfalls that uh, a young designer might fall into? Uh, when reviewing portfolios, it really becomes uh, a balancing act. I mean, and also it's not everything. The person, the personality, how they might fit with the current staff um, is always a big concern. For instance, right now, um, I have I'm on a small team and I'm the one that does most of the interviewing and making sure whoever that is, even if their book is amazing, if they fit in with the group and it's, you know, there's yeah. a certain way that we work together. There's a certain way we talk to one another. There's also a certain level of um, intelligence you need to have when you're speaking about your work. Uh, in terms of a portfolio in general, I look a lot for diversity of work I I probably have a style <laughs> even mm -hmm. if I don't like to admit it yeah uh, I think you know it's yeah. right and uh, approaches approaching projects in different ways is always something I look for where um, often with often you're reviewing work and you know they all feel kind of of the same way of thinking if right. it's a branding project the system is the same if it's a magazine if they have if you have two magazines and they oddly look familiar those often become signs that maybe you're not approaching work in a analytical way mm -hmm. you're just approaching work in a making way or doing like the Michael Bay Ruth thing or doing like right you're you know and you know I would have probably done the same thing but Especially when I'm looking for new perspectives, I want to find someone with multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. I want to know that one day you can grab a paintbrush and another day you can, you know, spend hours on one letter of typography mm -hmm. and you can think about digital, you can think about books, you can think spatially. Uh, and I think that was true about. You know that's true about the work we do here, uh, and I think it's always been true about the work I've done historically. Um, not being people that don't seem like they're afraid of mediums and they're not afraid of mm -hmm. new challenges, and maybe they even express that and they say, "Oh, this was the first time I made this, and right. this was the first time I tried making a website. This is the first time I tried making a book," uh, and I bound it myself because I didn't have anybody to do it and all of those kinds of stories mm -hmm. around uh, how you challenge yourself um, and you can usually see that in the work yeah like, I don't think I can work at a, at, a, at a place like this but I think that that's an important thing like when you're looking for jobs like I love the work of Red Antler I love the work of Huge but I wouldn't submit my portfolio to them because it's like I know my strengths and I know what I'm good at and while I aspire to work at a place like this it's important to be, I think, right? To be, to be realistic about where you stand. Because you don't want to be like over your head. Because you're going to be yeah. found out. 
I mean, you well, no, I don't know about that. You certainly have to just keep going, mm -hmm. obviously. That's just part of it. Yeah. There is a lot of time and effort that goes into everything, um, especially if you're trying to do something you really love. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to hurt more. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to keep you up at night uh, versus, you know, there's probably a lot of other industries where the challenge is more the daily activity. Right. And there isn't the emotional one comes from um, successes and failures, and they're less personal. They're mm -hmm. they're based on what you did that day, um, and how you interact with your coworkers. But design has that with a bunch of emotional turmoil and mm -hmm. ups and downs and yeah. and lamenting and time. lamenting. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes into when you're applying for jobs as well. So it's just you know. It's, uh, there's a hill to climb. And I think that, and people have probably said this on the podcast before, but I think a good designer is never sees the top of the hill. You're just always mm -hmm. kind of, you always feel like you're just somewhere in the middle. If you're younger, you, you're, you feel like you're at the bottom, but, right, right, right. but after that, you probably just always feel like you're somewhere in the middle and trying and trying. Uh, and then, and you know, jumping into things you haven't done before. Uh, at number 17, I probably was asking a few more questions than I um, would sense that those first few months. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that the first um, couple weeks, I did some branding, I maybe did some packaging sketches, and then a big turning point came when um, I was working on some storyboards for a TV show and I was like, well, what do you do? Like, how do I approach this? Is there a way I should go about it? And I think I was working with, um, Bonnie at this moment. And this was just the, this was just the office environment. You yeah. know, this is how Emily approaches things. This is how Bonnie approaches things. And she said, well, you've designed books before, so you can do some storyboards. Right. We like we don't need to talk about it. You do some stuff, and then we'll, we'll then we'll talk about it, and right. we'll figure out, and we'll be able to discuss how you approached it. We'll be able to discuss your idea. Maybe you'll have an ac you'll you'll make an accident happen that no one else in the office would have thought of because like you were kind of, you were yeah. approaching it with fresh eyes. You weren't trying to follow. Um, a course of action and then That's awesome. so after a few of those um, and I think the same thing went into working with Emily early on as well where I can't remember an antidote but maybe right after that I immediately started working on a packaging assignment with Emily and, and most of the work I was doing at number 17 was with Emily uh, and I just kind of did it I did the research I looked up the scales for um, the net weight and all of the technical details that go into making packaging mm -hmm. and it's like the internet's there. Right. It's like you don't really need to ask that many questions. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jonathan, this has been so great. Uh, thank you for your time today. You've been more than generous with your time. Where can people uh, find you on Instagram, Twitter, anywhere, anything you have coming out that you want people to follow, blogs? The floor is yours. You can find me on my site at 
jonathancarrera.com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at John Carrera, J-O-N. Thanks for having me, and um, yeah, I hope this is uh, useful to some people. I know. Yeah, thanks. Bye.